Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? You're fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, and I'm out and hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. Here's your host, Simo Buckets. Oh, so much happened over the weekend. I can't even get... Oh, man, we got an hour show. Episode 135 on the Hooper's Log. My name is Simo Buckets. Yes, episode 135. And let me tell you, since November 2nd, for the last, I don't know, 26 weeks, 27 after this one, this week at the end of the week, we will have gone 27 straight weeks. Of everything hoops. I don't know. Maybe 26 weeks. I can't count. I don't know what my count is right now. Whatever, five times. What I don't know. Either way, 135 episodes. We've gone Monday through Friday every single day since November 2nd. We did previews before the season. We did things after that. The Hoopers Log here on CLNS Radio. My name is Simo Buck. If you'd like to call in, the phone number is 323 642 one five five eight, and let me tell you, so much happened over the weekend. I mean, monstrous, momentous things, and even today, just so many things happened. I can't. I, I don't know if we're going to be able to get to it all. I don't see Andrew Norris on the line. I'm doing it solo. I'm riding solo in this one. Uh, I don't see anybody here. I'm, I'm going to do this by myself in a canyon of darkness. If you'd like to call in and contribute, that would be fantastic. If not, if you're listening to the podcast, if you're listening to me rant. For the next uh, hour, about a lot of topics that happened in the world of basketball over the weekend, a ton, a absolute ton of things that happened, uh, and even outside of the world of basketball, the Kentucky Derby happened over the weekend on Saturday. Nyquist winning the Kentucky Derby, obviously last year, American Farrell winning the Triple Crown, might not be as exciting this season, knowing that this year, knowing that a Triple Crown is Highly unlikely, so I think the uh, the amp and the, and the excitement for everything for the Triple Crown races aren't going to be there. But when it comes to the Kentucky Derby, uh, shout out to my family, my uh, my dad's side of the family living out there in the Kentucky land. They live about 15 minutes from the track. I've been to uh, Churchill Downs. It's an amazing, beautiful place. And uh, that's where the, the ponies run around, and they uh, make people some money and lose people a lot of money. So that's usually uh, what goes on around there. But Nyquist got it done. Big favorite in the Kentucky Derby, getting it done there, getting the victory. And Canelo Alvarez, the sixth-round knockout of Amir Khan in the, I believe, welterweight division, if I'm not mistaken, or middleweight division, whatever. It doesn't matter. Boxing is so uh, under the radar these days with how poor it's been. In the last three or four years now, uh, it's you know it's kind of just been the way it is. And but but Canelo Alvarez got it done in a big fight there. Um, 
And uh, and the NBA went absolutely bonkers over the weekend. I mean, some absolutely gigantic basketball games. And fortunately, unfortunately, I should say, I did not watch very many of them. Um, I did watch recaps. I do have an idea of what happened. I wish Andrew Norris would be on the show. So I give you more insight on my opinion on what could have happened and what not. Hopefully he jumps in. If not, he's probably a very busy man. I haven't talked to him in a while. Hopefully he gets on in here. If not, it'll be me all the way through. If you'd like to contribute and talk about what happened over the weekend, the phone number is 323-642-1558. We're going to talk about what happened on Friday, Saturday, and yesterday, Mother's Day. Yes, yesterday was Mother's Day. Hopefully you had a good one and enjoyed a good a good time with your mom or at least had a conversation or did something to contribute in that realm. But uh, we're going to recap them all for you, and we're going to get it going. A lot of things off the court as well happen. Kevin Hart, let's get it going. All right, all right, all right. We're going to learn today. Again, we're sitting here in the Seat Geek Studios. Obviously, the Boston Celtics season is over, so I don't know about the promo, if you can get that anymore. But you can go to CLNS Radio and learn more about the promo on SeatGeek. You can get a discount code there uh, through clnsradio.com. On Friday, in the world of basketball, a lot of things happened. Uh, a lot of things went, went on. Uh, two games, two big games in the world of basketball. In the NBA, the Cavaliers played the Hawks. They destroyed them 121-108 to again. They made 21 three-pointers. They extended the series to 3-0 at the time, and clearly – uh, were on their way to a sweep as on Sunday, Mother's Day, they closed it out winning 199. They combined for 77 three-pointers in this sweep over the Atlanta Hawks. Now, let me say this. Obviously, we're not going to recap the game for Sunday because we just talked about it, but this team, this Cleveland Cavalier team, and what's fascinating, everyone, all you people out there who, first of all, we all know what's going on off the court when it comes to awards. We'll get to that in a little bit. But for all you people out there that don't think that the Cleveland Cavaliers have an, have an ounce of a chance of winning the NBA title, I, I don't know what kind of drugs you're on. I don't know what kind of, uh, what kind of things you're sipping on or you're, or, you're, or you're toasting to, but I know the Western Conference is dominant. Don't get me wrong. The Spurs and the Warriors, two unbelievable organizations, and they're great, great teams this year. But this Cavs team, look, and I get it. It's the Eastern Conference. I know the Hawks don't have the talent of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I totally understand. I get it. Believe me, I get it. I understand it. And I'm not going to sit here and defend that the Cavs have an easy run in the Eastern Conference playoffs. But 77 threes in a four-game sweep is child's play. And and let me remind you, I know the Hawks don't have uh, Damari Carroll anymore. I understand they were a little bit undermanned compared to last year against the Hawks. They got swept last year. They got swept again. And Kevin Love has found his role. This team is clicking. LeBron James isn't even playing his hardest basketball right now. And what's scary is, is last year LeBron had to almost Superman his team all the way through the postseason last year. This year it's a completely different story. Kevin Love has found his role. He's in the ball games. Kyrie Irving looks like a looks like a bona fide superstar with the way he's been putting the ball on the floor. And LeBron James has just been playing a part of his role. And all the other role players, Tristan Thompson, Matthew Dellavedova, Channing Frye, J.R. Smith, Amon Shumpert off the bench. You're seeing a team right now in the Cleveland Cavaliers absolutely clicking on all cylinders. And last year, what's funny is, is everyone thinks that it's just a foregone conclusion that the Western Conference champion is going to win the NBA Finals. I, I'm, tell, I'm, I'm sitting here to tell you right now, if everything just shut down and we just went to an NBA Finals right now, the Cavs would win the NBA Finals. It's not even a, it's not even a debate. 
It's not even a debate. If, if you're going to sit here and tell me that if, if the Warriors were all healthy and the Spurs were playing on all cylinders, that the Cavs wouldn't contend and make it go at least seven and push it to a seventh game, I think you're out of your mind. This team is – I mean, look, again, I'm not going to debate that the fact that the Western Conference is tougher than the East. It is. I think the Cavs would probably be pushed to six if they played the Thunder right now, especially with the way they played Sunday night. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And don't get me wrong – that the Cavs have had an easy stretch when it comes to teams. I mean, Detroit is, was their toughest test. They tested them in every single ball game that they played them. The only game the Hawks tested the Cavs in was game four. And that was a classic down the stretch. And the only reason it was was because the Cavs were like, okay, you know, all we got to do is kind of put out a little bit of effort and we'll do okay. I mean, look, the Hawks were up 36-27 at the end of the first quarter in the fourth game. And the Cavs still found a way to clinch on back and come on in in the third and really just kind of hang on in the fourth and play minimal basketball. This team now has over a week to prepare for their next series, and they only played an entire week. Look, they had a week off prior to the Hawks series. Now they have another week off. They played, like they played a week against Detroit. They were off a week. They play another week against the Hawks. Then they're off another week, and they're prepping for whoever comes out of this brouhaha between Toronto and Miami. I mean, you're looking at a series that's potentially going six at a minimum seven games with the way they've been playing, and the Cavs are just going to sit back, stay in shape, stay in the zone, stay focused, rest up, get ready, have everyone healthy, have everyone playing their game, and they're going to come in and play either Toronto or Miami, they're going to sweep them, and they're going to watch the Western Conference final team beat themselves up. The Cavs, like Andrew said, before the season, the Cavs might only lose one game in the NBA playoffs and in the Western and Eastern Conference playoffs. They might only lose one game, and, and they may just sweep on through. They're supposed to. Look, you can't, you can't just step back and knock the Cavs because they, can't, they, they have the, the thing that's in front of them. They have an easy schedule. They, look, for the talent they have, they have an easy schedule in the Eastern Conference. You can't knock them for that. They're doing their job. They're sweeping the teams they're supposed to sweep. They're sweep they swept the Detroit Pistons. No matter how tough the games were, they swept them. No matter how tough game four was against the Hawks, they swept them. They did their job. Now they're going to go into the Eastern Conference Finals, heavy favorites, and they're probably just going to do their job there and push it to five, maybe even sweep. And then once they get to the NBA Finals, they're probably going to have another week off in between. They're going to rest. Let's just say this. This Cavalier team has no excuse for being tired. I don't care if they use the word tired at all heading into the Eastern Conference Finals, and if they dominate, and then if they use the excuse for being tired in the, in the NBA Finals, that's when I'll start to think, okay, they really don't have the mind of a champion because this team is, is no excuse for being tired. Hey, look, think about this. The last three weeks, once the Eastern Conference Finals begin, once game one of the Eastern Conference Finals begins, this Cavs team will have only played one week of basketball in three weeks. Think about that. Four games in three weeks. I mean, I mean, look, in the NFL, sometimes there's stretches where you, only, where you will play four games in a three-week span. This team may only play four games in three and, and they're on pace to really just obliterate everybody. And, and the thing is, is against the Hawks, in three of those four games, they, had, they shut it down in the third. Look, game two, they shut it down with those 25 threes. And then the last game, like I mentioned on Friday, when they won 121-108, to 108, they, shot, they dominated in the fourth. The Hawks came out and played great basketball, and the Cavs found a way to dominate the fourth quarter. 
And they still – look, this Cavs team can win the finals right now. I'm not out of my mind in saying that. I, I don't feel like I'm crazy in saying that. I think if this Cavs team barges through the Eastern Conference finals and they go, go to the West – and they, excuse me, they go to the finals in June – healthy and ready to go. They, look, okay, I want you to think about this. It is May 9th, and the Cavs, May 8th, Mother's Day. Look, the last time the Cavs will play a game until they play again, Mother's Day, all the way up until they play the Eastern Conference Finals. And think about this. If they sweep the Eastern Conference Finals, I want you to fathom this. The NBA Finals doesn't start until June 2nd. They just played their last second-round game on Mother's Day. They may only play four or five games for the next three weeks. I I just want you to think about that. This team might be the most rested team heading into the NBA Finals in NBA history. And if you don't think that the way the Spurs have been playing, the way the Warriors have been playing without Steph Curry, that these teams aren't going to be beat up, either the Spurs or Warriors or even the Thunder and Warriors, who knows what's going to happen in Game 5 between the Spurs and Thunder. We'll get to that in a little bit. If you don't think these teams are going to be beat up heading into the NBA Finals when this Cavs team has only played maybe four, five, six at a maximum between the, between the, Heat, and the, uh, the Heat and the Raptors. If they play the Raptors, I think it's going to be a sweep. If they play the Heat, I think it'll go five, maybe six. I mean, that's, that's a seven-game series in a three-week three span for the Cavs. This, this team is only on cruise control, and they are wiping the slate clean with teams they're supposed to wipe the, clean, the, the slate clean with. Look, when they get to the NBA Finals, when the Cavs get to the NBA Finals, don't be shocked if they just absolutely run the Spurs or Golden State out of the building in Game 1. Because those two teams, either the Spurs or Warriors, or maybe even the Thunder, who knows what's going to happen. And who knows, maybe Portland might win tonight. We'll talk about those games a little bit, but if, if the Cavs come into the NBA Finals like they're playing right now, I'm telling you, people, uh, this is their year. And I, this is exactly what I expected, not them to wipe the slate clean like they did against the Hawks, but I expected them to come out and play great basketball like this going into the Eastern Conference playoffs. And they're just, they're just making everyone look like a fool. And that's what they're supposed to do. They're doing it. And knowing how close the Hawks, excuse me, how close the Raptors and Heat are right now, and especially with their injury circumstances, what they got going on, and those games are going down to the wire, I mean, who's to think the Cavs can't dominate again? It, this, this Cleveland Cavalier team can win the NBA Finals, and it's, I'm telling you, right now with the way the Spurs and Warriors are playing, with or without Steph Curry, the, Spur, the way the Warriors are playing, these two teams are not on the level of the Cavs right now. They aren't. And, and I don't care if you said the Spurs played in the East, they do the same. I don't care if you said the Warriors played in the East, they do the same. This Cavs team is shooting like the Warriors, and they're playing basketball cohesively like the Spurs. That's just what they're doing, and they're doing it in the conference where they should put it together, and they are putting it together. So kudos to the Cavs for getting it done and dominating the Eastern Conference the way they're supposed to. They have a week off to prepare, maybe a week plus, depending upon what happens in the Eastern Conference uh, uh, other second round that they got going on. The other Eastern Conference series on Saturday, Game 3 happened. And the Raptors bounced back on the road after they took game two in overtime, 95-91, getting the victory. Kyle Lowry bounced back, outstanding performance, 33 points, two rebounds, couple assists there for him. Dwayne Wade was vintage again, 38 points, eight rebounds, four assists, but you're not going to get it done when you darn near score half your team's points and no one else really steps up. And it doesn't help either that Hassan Whiteside got hurt as well. 
On top of Jonas Valanciunas also spraining his right ankle. Apparently, Jonas Valanciunas is now out for the remainder of the series. Game four is underway as we speak, uh, and it is right now a heat lead, 13-11. to 11. That game is in Miami. They're looking to push that to a 2-2 series heading into game five tonight. But in game three, Kyle Lowry bounced back with an outstanding performance. And Dwayne Wade did as well. But the problem now is both teams lack the size as both guys are out. Who knows how long uh, Hassan Whiteside is going to be out with his knee circumstance. He's got a grade one MCL sprain in his knee. He might be out for the remainder of the series as well. So the size factor on both these teams moving forward, whether or not they win the series or not, heading into the game against the, the series against the Cavs, whoever wins, they just don't have it. They don't have it. I mean, look, the Raptors can contend in the backcourt, but in the front court, good luck. No one can guard LeBron on the Raptors unless Demari Carroll's healthy, and he even proved worthy last year that he couldn't stop LeBron. The Miami Heat, they, 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 they pose some matchup problems, but without Hassan Whiteside, their down-low presence and their rebounding strategy doesn't really work. If you don't have Chris Bosh or Hassan Whiteside, wrap it up. Your season's over. I mean, it's just that simple. I mean, from the standpoint of going any further and being a, t- being a potential what, uh, Eastern Conference you know, contender, you got to wrap it up. Can they beat the Raptors? Still, absolutely. But they got to bank on Kyle Lowry having bad games. Look, 33 points for Kyle Lowry, stepping it up in game three. If he does that throughout the rest of the series, wrap it up. The Raptors are going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 01. I mean, so you got to look at this series between the Raptors and Heat and think, man, this is, look, this is kind of, this is going to be a great series, but you got to look at it too from the perspective of when you go into the next series with the Eastern Conference Finals, neither of these teams stand a chance. They just don't. I mean, you're going to watch a classic tonight on Monday. You know, you're going to see the Heat and Raptors go to a classic. It's going to be a classic. It's going to be a great game. Right now, Heat are up 15, 13, five minutes left in the first. But game four, I mean, after the way the Heat played, excuse me, not the Heat, uh, the way the Cavs played on Sunday, on Mother's Day, I mean, you just can't, you just cannot deny that the Cavs are just that dominant right now in the East. Granted, Eastern, again, granted, Eastern Conference, but they're doing their job. And the Raptors got it done on Saturday, and they're playing tonight on Monday for game four to see who's either the Raptors will take a 3-1 series lead or the Miami Heat will push it back to Toronto tied. 2-2. Warriors and Trailblazers. I'll talk about my series here in a little bit between the Spurs and and Thunder here in a moment, but the Warriors and Trailblazers, uh, Friday or Saturday, game three, game four is tonight, by the way. I'll have an article up here on thehooperslog.com. If you haven't checked out thehooperslog.com, go check it out. Uh, Andrew, myself, Calvin, uh, uh, Michael Hicks, and also a guy in Jack, uh, Jack Buckington. I believe that's his name. I apologize if I butchered your last name, Jack. I'm severely I'm sorry about that. I've just been on the run. Life is crazy. I'm telling you, this weekend I played a lot of softball. I had a lot of family activities. I watched a lot of movies. I got involved. I got engaged with my life. It was great. Uh, Basketball was not on the agenda this weekend outside of the Spurs and Thunder, uh, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But the the Trailblazers proved that they – look, and and again, it's been the same mantra all year long, all year long. Uh, Terry Stotts is the best coach in the NBA. It's not even a debate. Like, like, look, look. Again, four or five starters gone. C.J. McCollum improved. The system still worked. They only decreased by seven games from a year ago. Still went 11-5 and five in the division from the year ago with all the guys they lost, who improved their teams significantly, by the way. Robin Lopez improved the Knicks by about eh, 10 games. He did. Now, that's not to say that was all Robin Lopez, but he definitely helped. 
Obviously, Chris Dasprazingis being on the team helps a lot. But, but Robin Lopez helped with that improvement in New York. Nicholas Batum, Charlotte, obviously, again. LaMarcus Aldridge, do I need to say anything more? LaMarcus Aldridge has been an absolute monster in San Antonio for this series. Um, and then also a guy in Wesley Matthews helped the, the, the Dallas Mavericks stay afloat in the West. I mean, you've got guys who left that team, and this team came out. Look, and if you would have told me, look, and, 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 the, and the Golden State Warriors were favorites heading into this game on, on game three on Saturday night. And the Blazers just shot him out of the building. Damian Lillard looked like Steph Curry. And that's not saying anything different. And I said, that, look, everyone now, and it's funny, because you heard the example from Stan Van Gundy during the game. Oh, if you, if you took out Damian Lillard and you took out Steph Curry and you swapped them places, would there be a difference? And, look, I get where people are coming from on this perspective, and I know people know that Steph Curry's different. We all know Steph's on the, on the verge of winning his second back-to-back MVP. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But Damian Lillard proved why everyone and their mom is, an, is a complete moron when it comes to not picking him for the all-star game. Uh, just absolute moronic uh, drugs on the table, selling them at the trap house, you name it. I mean, just, just, just drop it back off. Damian Lillard is a bona fide superstar, like super star. 36 points in the second quarter, not for him individually, but for the team. Trailblazers beat the Warriors in the second quarter, 36 to 18. That was the ball game. That was what decided the ball game. That halftime deficit, that 40 – look, when, I don't care if you have Steph Curry or not. When you have allowed 58 points going into the half and your team is down 46 at the break, you're down 58 to 46 at halftime, wrap it up. Wrap it up. Damian Lillard, 40 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds. Steph Curry or not, that is, that is baller status. And Draymond Green didn't, didn't – you know, he was unbelievable, too. 37 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. Klay Thompson also had 30-plus points in the game. You're talking about a team in the trail, but winning 120 to 108. Again, if you would have told me, and I, told, and I said this on Friday, if you would have told me the Trailblazers would have a chance at winning a second-round game against a 73-9 and team, MVP or not, and, and, you, and they would have done it, Look, I think if Steph would have won, I think if Steph would have played, this would have definitely been a much closer game. Probably would have been an overtime type game. Maybe the Warriors win by three, but that's what would have happened. I mean, Damian Lillard went absolutely bonkers in Game Three, and the Trailblazers—they play tonight, Game Four, big, huge game. I mean, this is a giant game for the Warriors, and and I hear that Steph Curry has a better chance of playing tonight than any other night. Uh, later on, and if he doesn't play tonight, he's definitely, I hear he's definitely playing game five, but he's got to get back in rhythm, so in real in reality, he's not, re- I mean, he's playing, but his impact won't be as significant as people think it will be the moment he steps back on the floor. Even Steph, Stephen Kerr said it from the standpoint of he's got to get back into conditioning. So, from that perspective, he, he's going to be back, but he's not going to have the impact that we all expect him to have in his first game back. So, whether he plays tonight or game five, He's not going to have the impact we all think. So this is a huge game for the Blazers tonight from the standpoint of extending the series against the Warriors, but also from the standpoint of them giving themselves a shot in a three-game marquee matchup. Because once it turns to 2-2, it's a three-game series. And I know the Warriors will have two games at home, and I know the Blazers only go back home once. But it guarantees a game six, and it guarantees a game at home where they have a chance to keep the series alive. Do I think it's going to happen? Do I think the Warriors bounce back and win tonight? Absolutely. And for the sake of everyone's moronic debate that Steph Curry is the most quotation, 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 valuable. If people think he's the most valuable player on his team, you're high. I mean, you're, you, the drugs are flowing. you got things going on in your brain that, you, that should not be working. Steph Curry is the best player in the league 
this season. No debate. But is he the most valuable player to his team? No. No. If you think Steph Curry is the most valuable player on his team, you're out of your mind. First of all, the Warriors are a system. We've talked about this all year long, about how they've been a system, a system of greatness. That's what they are. They're a system of unbelievable greatness. They are. They're, 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 they're on pace to be the greatest team of all time. 73-9. and nine. Draymond Green is, is turning into a megalitoid superstar. I mean, to the point where you can't – I mean, he might he, – he's the MVP of the – I mean, look, you, 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 you don't have to be a brain surgeon, a doctor, to figure out that Draymond Green is the engine, the, the, the wheels, the oil, the, you know, the, the brakes. He's everything. He's everything to that Warriors team from the standpoint of keeping it going. He is that team. Now, does Steph Curry definitely – is Steph Curry the shiny chrome wheels? Is Steph Curry the tinted windows? Is Steph Curry the nice little, you know, the nice little tin on his car? Absolutely. Does Steph Curry make it bling? Sure. Oh, no debate. He makes them nearly unbeatable. But does he make them a playoff team? No. If you took Steph Curry off this team and you switched him with Damian Lillard, they're still a 60-win team. They are. If you debate me on that, you're out of your mind. You're hot. I mean, you're crazy. Damian Lillard and Steph Curry have two of the similar – they both play similar basketball. They do. They chuck it from deep. They take poor quality shots at least five times a game, at least five times a game to take poor quality shots, whether it's a layup in the lane, whether it's a runner, whether it's two guys on, then you have to post up and chuck it up. That, that's, that's what both these guys do. They've done that their whole career, Damian Lillard and Steph Curry. That's what they've done their whole career. And Damian Lillard gets bashed for it, where Steph Curry gets praised for it. It's just, the, it's just a fact. It's just a fact. I'm not stating anything that's out of line. Damian Lillard, though, he has nights like he had on Saturday. He gets hot. 40 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds. That right there is an MVP. This Trailblazers team, the reason why they're good this year is because Damian Lillard was top 10 in scoring in the league. That's the reason why. He had to come out and play his tail off this season to give them a shot. And they turned into outside of the top – seriously, outside of the top four teams in the West, which we all knew were – clearly head and shoulders above everybody else, the Clippers, Thunder, Spurs, and Warriors, outside of those four teams, who else was going to shine in the West? And who did it? The underdog Trailblazers. And look, now they, have a, now they have at least one victory over the Warriors. Now, do I think the Warriors would sweep them with Steph Curry? Possibly. But at the same time, going back to Portland, people who are Warrior fanatics and, and bandwagoners and don't know NBA but just love the Warrior logo and everything that stands for it, Look, if you think going into Portland is an easy place to play, you're out of your mind. That is one of the toughest places to play in basketball, period. And the Trailblazers found a way to absolutely dominate in that game. And they got the victory for the right reasons. Look, if Draymond Green and Klay Thompson are going off for 60-plus points between the two and they still lose, that's when you know the Trailblazers came out and played a great game. I mean, granted, their defense was not good. They, they, they definitely got a hot, a hot shot from Damian Lillard. 40 points, that's definitely going to help you, no debate. But if you think that this is all Steph Curry's creation in the Warriors, you're just out of your mind. I mean, you're crazy. This, is, this system in the Warriors is unbelievable. And the Trailblazers just came out hot in the first half, and they just dominated. And the Warriors found a way to get it going in the, in the, in the second half, no debate. But you're going to have cold streaks from time to time, whether you have Curry or not. And Curry's known to have cold streaks. So don't sit here and think that just because they would have had Steph Curry, it would have been a whole different ballgame. It would have. It would have been closer, and I just said it. The Warriors probably would have won. They probably would have. You know, done, but, but at the same time, Curry does go through cold streaks, too. He's a human being. It happens. And so for that being said, this Trailblazers team, you know, winning 120 to 108, they got a shot tonight to really create some history and potentially get themselves into a situation where they could put the champs, the, the defending champs on their back 
heading into a game five. And, and will the Warriors really struggle in a game five? I don't think so. I, I, in fact, I think the Warriors tonight will win by like eight or nine. They might win by double digits tonight. I, I think that might be the case. I really do. I really do. And, and for, for the sake of the conversation of, 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 of the Warriors and, and Steph Curry being healthy and, and all that debate, look, the Warriors are an unbelievable team. 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 Team, bro. They're a team. I mean, they're, they are a team that, look, coming into the season, I thought they were overrated. I thought their playoff run last year was overrated because of all the injuries and all the all the under you know all the all the easy circumstance they got to go through in the West. Look, the West is dominant, but they faced some pretty poor teams in the Western Conference last year. They did. New Orleans Pelicans they clearly overachieved last year. If you look at their record this year, clearly overachieved. Now I know they were injured at the beginning of the year, but they they were t- terrible this year. Memphis Grizzlies. Now I understand injuries, so they did not come out and play the team, play play like the team they're supposed to play like in the playoffs. So I get that, but I mean, look, they they beat them without Mike Conley. If Mike Conley was on the team, who's to say that they wouldn't have been pushed to further? Uh, then you play the Houston Rockets. Did do we all not think the Houston Rockets overachieved the year ago? I think I think that's fair enough to say at this point they definitely overachieved last year. And this year, they, they played like the team I think we all expected, an average basketball team. That's what they are. They're just average. they got great stars, but they don't have a system. Last year, I don't know how they didn't, but they didn't do it. And the Warriors beat them. And then they go into the finals, and they play you know, a Kevin Loveless, one gameless, you know, only one game Kyrie Irving in game one. Outside of that, it was Matthew Dellavedova, inconsistent, an inconsistent J.R. Smith, Timothy Mozgov, who'd only been there for two months, and then you got a guy in LeBron James literally – Ninja Turtle backpack and all carrying his team all the way through the finish line. That's what you have. And the Warriors beat that because they have a better they had a better system in place at the time. Now, now, this year, everybody improved. I mean, you talk about look, Steph, everyone's saying, Oh, Steph Curry might be even even the most improved player. Look, Draymond Green, you want to talk about most improved, and I said this multiple times on the show. You want to talk about most improved. Draymond Green from three years ago to now has made the biggest leap. If they gave out awards for over like four-year spans, Draymond Green would win most improved right now because he is, he is turned into a bona fide superstar. From the beginning of last year to now, you didn't know who Draymond Green was going into 2014. You didn't. Don't sit here and tell me like you knew you did. Everyone thought that the, that, that, the, uh, that the contract he got when they re-signed him, they thought they were high, out of their mind. I did too. Look at him. He, he's, he's a top five forward in the league now. Top five, no debate. Name off five. Name off five forwards right now: LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, Paul George, maybe Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, maybe. You got to debate. You got to debate with maybe another guy there. I'm probably blanking, but you just name off the top of your head. Draymond Green's one of them. He's the most improved. Clay Thompson has look three years, two years ago when the when the when the Warriors lost to the Spurs. Three years ago when the Warriors lost to the Spurs in the second round in the Western Conference Finals. That was the toughest team the Spurs play. Not the Western Conference Finals. The Western Conference Semifinals. Uh, Clay Thompson couldn't hit couldn't hit anything but open shots every time he was defended or a guy closed out on him he missed a shot almost every time now it doesn't matter it doesn't matter three-point champion in the all-star game this year and he also pretty much if you if it wasn't for uh, Steph Curry this year he probably would he would have broke the three-point record I mean this guy is a cold cold cold-blooded killer now everyone's improved on that warrior team that bench is legendary look and I was ripping them last year for saying their bench was like mediocre at best oh not anymore 
they got a legendary bench. This is not a Steph Curry creation. I've said this multiple times, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more here in a moment. But him, him being a unanimous MVP, all this conversation of the unanimous MVP, just, just put the reefer down, put the pipe down, just stop it. He's not unanimous. There are many guys in the NBA who are more valuable to their team than a guy like Steph Curry. Trust me. Damian Lillard is one of them. Chris Paul, obviously. Not even a debate. Did you watch the last series when he got hurt? They had no chance in game four and five. No chance. Or whatever, you know, five and six. Whatever they lost. Then no chance. No chance when he went down. Then if Kawhi Leonard, yeah, I wouldn't call him an MVP. But he's the MVP of the Spurs. So he's an MVP. I would even say Draymond Green is the MVP of the Warriors. I would say that. They're more of a team, though. That's how great – see, look, that's how great this Warrior team is. They don't need a guy like Steph Curry to be great. They don't need – look, if you took Draymond Green off that team, they would, they, they would struggle. Don't get me wrong, they'd struggle, but Steph Curry and Klay Thompson would still be a great team with that bench. You took Klay Thompson off that, off that team with Steph Curry and Draymond Green. They're still a great team with that bench. That is just a great team. Just accept it. The media is trying to blow up this, you know, this good guy narrative that Steph Curry is the greatest human being of all time. Look, he's, he's a little guy that relates to the little kids. I get it. But, I mean, come on now. Like, he's, he's the greatest shooter of all time. No one will ever debate. And if you debate that, if you debate that Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time, get off social media, go find a hole, and dig yourself a hole. Because that's just what he is. But, but from the standpoint of, you know, overall team, like, unanimous MVP, stop that conversation. He's not. Did Michael Jordan win unanimous MVP? No. Did LeBron win unanimous MVP in 09? No. Did, did Derrick Rose win unanimous MVP, you know, four or five years ago? No. So, look, just stop with the unanimous MVP. He's not going to get it. Did Allen Iverson get it in 01? No. That's the end of the story. Allen Iverson, without Allen Iverson on that, on that team about 15 years ago in 01, that Philadelphia 76er team would have been the 76er team of this year. They would have won 10, 15 games. Allen Iverson pushed them to the NBA Finals, won game one against one of the, more, one of the top ten teams of all time, the Los Angeles Lakers. One of the greatest games of all time. And if you have a YouTube, go check it out. 2001 NBA Finals, uh, Game 1, Allen Iverson, 48 points. One of the most dominating performances in NBA history, period, ever. That's why Allen Iverson won MVP. That game right there. It, it, it encapsulized everything you needed to know about Allen Iverson and why he was the MVP of the league. Because he beat the greatest team, one of the greatest teams of all time in the 0-1 Lakers. All time. And he did it, and he did it in a, in a performance that, look, I mean, people today will be like, ah, you know, the, the, anal- the, the, the analysis and the numbers don't say that it was really that great. No, no, shut up. If you watch that game, the heart, the determination, the storyline, the, the everything, going into Staples Center with that team after what they had just gone through and beating the team that they just uh, – unbelievable. So Steph Curry is not a unanimous MVP. Is he, a, is, he the, is he the best player in the league this year? Yes. Absolutely. Most outstanding. If they had a most outstanding award in the NBA, wrap it up, Steph Curry's unanimous. But when it comes to most valuable, he doesn't valueize the team. I was listening to Colin Coward earlier today. Spot on. Go listen to his podcast. Look, I'm not here to promote anybody, but I'm dead serious. Go listen to Colin Coward's podcast for May 9th. And <laughs> look – He's spot on. He is a hundred. He everything he said today. I just felt better. I felt better about society today, knowing that people understand why Steph Curry's not a unanimous MVP. He's going to win MVP because if that's how they're going to, if that's how they're going to dictate the best player in the league nowadays, just handing out MVP awards because they're the best player and they're the most liked player in the league. Well, sure, then fine, keep doing that. That's fine. But just remember, you know, he's not. When you look back on this team. 
and they win the championship, all the all the meatheads, all the people who don't know basketball or know sports, period, they're going to say, oh, Steph Curry and the Warriors. No, no, please, that does a disservice. This This Warrior team is overall as a unit probably – I mean, I don't think we're ever going to see this again. I really don't. I, I mean – and and I'm not a Warrior fan. I hate the Warriors. I absolutely hate them. But I respect the absolute hell out of what they do as an organization because they are putting it all together, and they are they are putting it. They're they're just they're just so good. I mean, they're just so good as a unit. And and for that, you can't rip them and you can't knock them. And they're they're pretty much untouchable to talk about from that perspective because as a team, it's just it is beautiful. But when you start talking Steph Curry, which apparently you know obviously we'll just get into it. He got the, uh, you know, he's gonna win. He's gonna win his back-to-back MVPs, the third guard to win back-to-back MVP, Magic Johnson and Steve Nash to do so. Obviously, he's gonna get it. It's, it's just for that simple alone. Uh, and I just talked about why he's not unanimous MVP, and we'll move on. R.C. Buford and the San Antonio Spurs. First of all, let me talk about this series. Uh, this San Antonio Spurs team on Friday, winning 100 to 96 in Game Three. Look, I lost three years off my life in that game. The Spurs did not look. Great, but they you talk about mental fortitude. This team came out and gutted a victory. I mean, they absolutely gutted out a victory in game three. I mean, that was Spurs basketball through and through. They struggled at points in the fourth. They struggled at points in the third. But Kawhi Leonard, LaMarcus Aldridge especially, found ways to keep that team in it and get the victory. And that game three victory was the epitome of Spurs basketball. There was a play in that game. I think it was in the third quarter or second quarter, I think. Kawhi Leonard went up for a shot, kind of a floater, eight feet from the rim, and he missed it. And I think it was was Adams or Cantor. Enos Cantor went up for a rebound, and Kawhi Leonard went up right back with him, took the ball out of his hands, and I think he either got a foul or it was a jump ball. And you talk about a play where if, if you had a Little League basketball squad and you wanted to represent and you wanted to talk about the uh, – and you want to talk about pure heart and hustle, replay that play on Vine all day long and just show it to kids. Just do it because that one play epitomizes what hustle and heart is all about. And, it, I mean, it was un- – I mean, Kawhi had just shot like a little faded runner in the lane missed it right off the rim. Enos Cantor is still in the air and Kawhi meets him in the air about a split second later and jumps as high as he can, rips the ball out of his hand. And then I think Enos jumped, went down with us with the, with the jump ball, but it was absolutely unbelievable. And that one play really epitomizes the Spurs effort in game three. And that's why they got the victory. 196. I mean, I was, I swear, I think I lost three years off my life watching that game. It was, uh, as a Spurs fan, it was heart wrenching. It was gut wrenching. I, I almost wanted to vomit at times. It was so hard to watch. This team does this to me, man. Even though we won five championships, it still they still do it to me. They still do it to me, man. Because these games are so intense and so gut wrenching and tough to watch. I mean, that's just what how it went. And then Sunday, look, I was talking about this earlier. I mean, I was on Twitter. I watched the replay of this game, and I was definitely listening to it in the car. Uh, Kevin Durant is, he's got a new nickname, the Mother's Day Assassin. That's what he is, MDA. He, I mean, he, he, got his, he got his degree in MDA, Mother's Day Assassinry. I mean, he, he absolutely torched us in the fourth quarter. That fourth quarter by the Thunder was probably the greatest fourth quarter they've had since moving to Oklahoma City. 
from the San, from being the Seattle SuperSonics moving to Oklahoma City. That was probably the greatest fourth quarter in their their franchise history. I mean, they look, the Spurs were up four going into the fourth. They were playing pretty good basketball. They weren't playing good defense. The Spurs weren't. But they were playing good enough basketball to keep themselves in it. They, they were definitely helter-skelter in the fourth. But the Thunder's defense really picked it up in the fourth quarter. They only allowed 16 points on the Spurs' part. Tony Parker, Kawhi Leonard, and LaMarcus Aldridge all combined for a little over 60 points. They each had 20 points each, and uh, plus 20-plus points. And, and Kevin Durant, 17 of his 41 points in the fourth quarter, shutting down the Spurs single-handedly, step-back jumper after step-back jumper with his probably the most pretty jump shot in the NBA outside of Steph Curry. For a big man, the most pretty jumper in the NBA, outside of Dirk Nowitzki, but you know what I mean. Cold-blooded assassin. I mean, Slim Reaper, KD, uh, Mother's Day assassin, uh, whatever you want to call him. I mean, this guy absolutely torched us last night. As a Spurs fan, you have to tip your cap. That's just what great players do. Annihilating us, 111-97, Mother's Day. I mean, that was a performance for the ages for Kevin Durant. And you talk about a guy who is another MVP candidate, Kevin Durant. Big-time, big-time MVP candidate in that perspective. And, and knowing that, knowing that he's an MVP, MVP candidate, that right there was an MVP performance. If Steph Curry scored 17 or 20 of his team's points in the fourth quarter, to get the victory after being down and outscoring the opponent and dominating with that kind of presence, that's when I think the, head, the, 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 the terms would change. And the thing is, is, you don't even see Steph Curry going out into the – you don't even see Steph Curry playing in the fourth quarter at times. See, that's the thing. That, look, everyone thinks that he's unanimous MVP. He doesn't even play in the fourth quarter at times. Like, how are you an MVP? How are you a unanimous MVP if you don't even play in the fourth quarter to shut out ball games? Kevin Durant has to do that so many times for the Thunder. It's not even – I mean, you can't even count. He handled, single-handedly beat the Spurs last night. And to say that, 41 points, five rebounds, four assists, that's, that, is, that, is, that is an assassin at work. And you've got to give all your praise to Kevin Durant on that. And he, he absolutely dominated last night in that game against the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, he just, he just went off. He's absolutely – went off in that ball game. Um, some news off the court. Obviously, R.C. Buford getting GM executive of the year, getting it done again for the San Antonio Spurs. I believe he won it two, three years ago, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the year they won the NBA championship in 2013-2014. So he won it two years ago. Uh, getting it done there for uh, the San Antonio Spurs. R.C. Buford again, another round of applause for him. Good stuff there as he gets it done. Um, other news, though, uh, Saturday, the Grizzlies fired David Yeager. And then today, the Kings hired David Yeager. So, David Yeager, four-year, $16 million deal to coach for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, they're going to have this thing now in uh, the new Sacramento ball arena called uh, Yeager Shots. Uh, Yeager Shots, uh, Yeager Bombs. Uh, it's going to be fun there to talk about that team, watching them again go through another head coach. Is this their fourth coach in three years? I don't know. Like, George Carl, uh, Malone, uh, I forget the other guy's name. They, they've gone through a lot of head coaches over the last three years. It's, it's kind of sad and embarrassing, to be 100% honest with you. So uh, knowing that and knowing what this team's done, um, you know, the Kings, I, I really hope David Yeager can, imp- can, can implement a little bit of what his knowledge was on a guy like Marcus Gasol and uh, Zach Randolph into a guy like Boogie Cousins. I think that would be an outstanding idea. Now, my 
personal opinion for the Sacramento Kings would have had to get a guy like Kevin McHale in there. Reason being that Boston Celtic knowledge, that championship knowledge, that background, uh, getting that toughness. He's also real easygoing and understandable to go with. And I think this team in the Sacramento Kings, and, I, and maybe it's just my blind faith, but I think this team, if they had a guy like Kevin McHale, who was super, he's a super players coach. I mean, he is, he's a players coach. He's a great mind of the NBA, but he's also a players guy. And if he coddled a little bit to the players of the Sacramento Kings and those Kings players just put it all together with the toughness of Kevin McHale's system, I'm telling you that team would be one of the more lethal teams in the Western Conference. They would. And I think they'd be a lot better. I think Boogie Cousins would be a lot better if he had a guy like Kevin McHale. But they got David Yeager. He's going to implement his system. And now, after the Grizzlies fired David Yeager, and obviously the whole Frank Vogel thing, the Grizzlies are looking towards getting Frank Vogel, which I don't, you know, from the standpoint of system and the standpoint of what the Grizzlies have, that's actually not a bad idea, considering they're a team that's kind of going away from, you know, being a good team anymore. But considering that perspective, he could bring them back if they improve. So I think the Frank Vogel idea for the Grizzlies is actually not a bad idea on that perspective alone um and another funny coaching circumstance going on in the nba as well is what's going on in houston <laughs> if you don't think it's comical what's going on in houston this is uh benny hana you know you know harlem Globetrotter, you know whatever kenny smith that's the funny thing kenny smith is actually being sought out for as the houston rockets head coach i mean think about that look that's no knock on kenny smith i love kenny smith kenny smith awesome great Great analysis at TNT. I think his breakdowns are bar none the best in the NBA. No, de- I mean, no debate. The NBA t- inside the NBA TNT cast is unbelievable. But Kenny Smith being a head coach, I mean, the only thing I would think of him to do, I mean, look, he doesn't even have any coaching experience, none at all. Is he a great guy, unbelievable uh, talent on TV? Yes, absolutely. No debate. But a coach? Come on now. Come on, Rockets. I know you're living and dying by your analysis, but come on now. Come on, people. You got to use the eye test. This team needs to be blown up, reconstructed, get some good pieces out of these superstars, and restart. If you're going to restart with a guy like James Harden, recognize that you need to get restart with a bunch of scrubs to allow James Harden to run the plays 90% of the time. That's all he does. He just runs, you know, just runs his own thing. But if you're going to trade James Harden, which they could do, I could totally see the Rockets just completely obliterating everything and trading James Harden for some major pieces moving forward. I don't think it'll happen. It won't happen because that's you know their, their GM wants to keep the, the analytics. The analytics game in process. That's what they want to do is keep the analytics in process. And they're thinking of probably getting a guy like David Blatt. Yeah, David Blatt. I mean, it's just, I mean this, uh, this, this. What's sad about the Rockets is they have so much talent and, and they have so many pieces, like so many gifted pieces, and they just, they just find ways to shoot themselves in the foot. They did it all season long this year. I mean, it was a train wreck all year long, and they still found a way to get into the postseason, and they still found a way to win one game in the postseason. Look, I don't know how they did it. But they're still doing it, and they're looking for another head coach, and they're just they're a mess. And it kind of goes all goes gone, goes back to the whole Steph Curry thing. You know, the Rockets are all about analytics. And what's so funny? This is the funny thing about Steph Curry. It's like you got these people out there who all they talk about is analytics or stats or whatever, and then you look at like James Harden, and you're like, well, if you go if you if you if you rank Steph Curry on analytics alone, he's one of the greatest players of all time. He is. He's had one of the greatest seasons of all time on analytics. On I can't, you know, when you watch him 
obviously he, he mesmerizes you with his shots and what he does. But from a you know, fundamental perspective, he shoots the ball in times and places and circumstances about eight to ten times a game where you're like, what? That's from 31 feet out. Shot clock's at 22. He just threw it up. Like, I mean, he does that a lot. Not in every game. He'll do it probably, you know, not that he doesn't do it every game. He'll probably do it twice a game. Just, you know, huck it up from half court and see what happens. You know, 11 minutes left in the quarter, 23 seconds on the shot clock. I'll just huck it. It's like, really? And then he'll come down and he'll come off a screen and he'll shoot a, he'll shoot a fadeaway three from about 28 feet out. It's like, really? If, it wasn't, if, if someone else did that, if James Harden for all, by golly, if James Harden did that, everyone would think he's selfish and a bad player and a this and a that. Yes, Steph Curry is a great passer. Yes, Steph Curry has improved on defense. Yes, Steph Curry is a good dribbler and a good penetrator, and he's actually a pretty good team player. I won't debate that. But when you sit back and you, and you think that he is so great, that he's so great that he can do things that if other players did them, it would be wrong, like pulling up from 28 feet with 20 seconds left on the shot clock when you could get an easier basket and, and play out your offense and he makes it, and you're like, oh, that's just Steph Curry. It's like, I have a problem with that. Because, like, look, the thing with that is, is you got kids walking around thinking, oh, I can do that too. And then they go in and they go into the gym and they play a, they go play a little YMCA basketball game, and they just run up, you know, they don't care, five feet from the three-point line, huck it up. They're like, oh, yeah, that was so cool. Oh, you pulled Curry. And they'll airball it, and they'll be like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? That's, that's not basketball. That's, that's recreational basketball. That's a joke. I don't want to see basketball turn into that. I don't think it will. So that's the problem with people with analytics. Like, oh, analytically, it's unbelievable. Ah, right. Yeah, use your eye test. If you use your eye test on James Harden, he was horrible this season. Yes, one of the best scorers in the league. No debate. I don't, de- I don't deny that. It's the same thing with Curry, one of the greatest shooters of all time. James Harden is, is one of the greatest scorers of all time this league has ever seen. But from a teammate perspective, he is god-awful overall. Steph Curry, not that bad. Obviously, that's, uh, he's great. I mean, he's a great teammate. He's great, he says all the right things, does all the right things on the court. But when it comes to his shooting, you know, like guys like LeBron James, he does not shoot low-quality shots. The only times he does is when he's pressured into a shot and when the shot clock is deep. He might shoot one at a maximum bad shot per game. And that's not to just say love on LeBron. It's just the facts. Steph will shoot two to three easy per game. So when you look at the analytics, it's like like the Rockets do – it's an extremist. Look, if you're an extremist analytic person, Steph Curry was great. If you're an extremist, you know, moral person, like, you know, Disney, for example, you, you like Steph Curry. If you're in the middle, you're kind of like, eh, he's not that great. You know? I mean, he, yeah, shooting-wise, yes. Anything from 25 feet out, the greatest thing we've ever seen. No debate. I don't debate that. But from the standpoint of fundamentals, quality shots, um, you know, making the right decision when he has the basketball to score. Sometimes it's like, really, dude, like, I mean, when they're, when they're up by 20, it's like, all right. But when it's a close game all the way through, Steph will shoot up these shots that you're like, really guy, like, what are you doing? Come on, man. And he'll have halves where he goes two for 18 from the field and 0 for nine from three. How do you, okay, look, how do you allow someone to keep shooting it from three? 0 of nine for th- from three in the first half. Look, 0 of nine from three is generally an entire game thing, and that's just trying to make one. This guy will shoot like he'll go two of 18 in games sometimes. Not all the time. Obviously not all the time, but it's like people just look at it from an analytic perspective and they're like, oh, yeah, he's the greatest thing I've ever seen. It's like, come on, man. Like, step back and watch the game. Steph Curry, unbelievable shooter. 
But, 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 when he takes those poor quality shots, don't sit here and tell you I didn't say so. He does it all the time. So, that's all i got to say about that, about analytics and all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, the Rockets head coaching position is an absolute nightmare. Oh, games tonight, obviously one game going on right now on May 9th. Uh, they're in the second quarter. It's tied up five, five and a half minutes to go in the second. It's about tied up at 29 apiece. Uh, it's been a pretty good game to this point. Uh, and the game tonight, which I'm sure everyone is excited for, I'm, I'm excited for, from the standpoint of, of how these teams are going are gonna to play, whether Curry comes back or not, I don't care. Now, now, look, as much as I rag on Curry, as much as I rag on him, I, am a, I, am a, I will never deny this. I am a Curry hater. I don't like Steph Curry at all one bit. I don't like his game. I don't like what he represents. I don't like it. I respect him as a person, but as a player, I, I just don't like him. I hate him. I'm a hater. I hate Steph Curry. I've made that clear throughout the entire year, but he does make this team better. Now, does that make him the MVP? No. There's a lot of guys who make teams better. Damian Lillard, he makes his team great. He's more of an MVP candidate than Steph Curry. It's just That's just obvious. But tonight, Steph, even if he plays, he's not going to be the same Steph Curry that we saw two weeks ago, three weeks ago when he was in rhythm. He's, he's going to have to come back in with the conditioning circumstance. He's not going to play the full you know, 40 minutes that he normally does or 35 minutes that he normally does. He's going to come out and he's going to play probably 20 minutes tonight, 25 minutes tonight. You know, and so it's going to be interesting to see tonight's game. I'm jazzed up for it. I'm excited. Heat and Raptors play tonight as well. 33-29 now, about five minutes left in the second quarter as the Heat are up uh, four. Dwayne Wade makes a a uh, 13-foot basket. Big-time game tonight for both these teams. Now the Raptors just match it with a three. 33-32 now, four and a half minutes left in the second, almost at half there in that one. But Warriors and Trailblazers come in after that one on TNT tomorrow night. When When this show starts, we're going to recap what happened last night, and we're going to get out of here because the Thunder and Spurs play tomorrow on TNT, 5 p.m. Pacific. I will be jumping into that one wholeheartedly and wholeheartedly for that. So apparently they're saying Steph Curry's out for warm-ups. He's getting ready. Everyone's, uh, everyone's uh, you know, bandwagoning that circumstance to try and get him in every circumstance that they can. Uh, this Calipari thing, real quick before I get out of here. Got about a minute left on this, and then I'll just get out of here. Coach Calipari mentioned some things, throwing some shade Duke's way, basically saying that Duke throws out their recruitment statements and say, oh, we're here to give you a quote-unquote better life than other places. And, and Coach Calipari had kind of some, some things to say about that. He said, look, I don't go out when I recruit and say that we're gonna have a, you're going to have a better life than you know, anyone else if you come to Duke. What we do at Kentucky is allow you to become an NBA basketball player and a professional basketball player player that's what we do you know that's that's what Kentucky does they 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 churn them out Rajon Rondo DeMarcus Cousins John Wall Anthony Davis I can keep going you know you know you got a whole bunch of guys coming out of Kentucky being unbelievable basketball players and so for that you, you gotta give coach Cal his credit knocking Duke is something that's been done for 20 30 years since coach K's been there it's not because coach K's a bad guy it's just that's just the rivalry aspect, and and I agree with I agree with Coach Calipari. Look, if you're gonna start trying to recruit your guys and say you know the moral edge of Duke and whatnot, look, Coach Cal's like I don't give I don't give two poops about that circumstance about us being morale. Look, we're here to win games. We're here to win games. We're here to get everyone excited. We're here to make money for the athletic department because that's what they're all about. Kentucky's all about its basketball. They don't care about anything else. That's all they care about. So from that perspective, looking at, you know, what Coach Calipari really said and throwing shade towards Duke, that's just, that's just the nature of the beast. 
that's what you get yourself into when you start trying to throw shade at other teams because, you know, people are trying to, trying to downgrade Kentucky. All Kentucky's trying to do is win games. That's all they care about. They don't care about anything else. They don't care about the morale. They, they care about their guys getting educated and getting a chance at the league and being professional people. That's all they care about. That's it. And that's all Coach Calipari was trying to get to. Episode 135 is in the books. We've got about a minute left in the show here on the Hoopers Lock. Episode 135 is in the books. Episode 136 tomorrow, Tuesday, May 10th, 2016. We'll recap tonight's games for you between the Raptors and Heat Game 4 and obviously Game 4 between the Warriors and the Blazers. Yes, we'll get it going. We'll get it going for you. We'll give you any more information that has, comes in through the world of basketball. Again, a big show today. Obviously, a lot went on. If you're listening to CLNS Radio, if you're listening to the podcast, thank you for listening. If you listen live, call in next time. Phone number 323-642-1558. Hopefully, we can get Andrew on the show eventually. He's probably held up at work, busy, doing something. I know he's always a busy man. I know he's always out there. But again, episode 135 in the books. Episode 136, same time, same place tomorrow on a Tuesday going up on Tuesday. Thank you again for listening, everybody. Have a fantastic night and enjoy the basketball games. We'll be here to recap for you. And go to HoopersLog.com, TheHoopersLog.com. Check out our writings. They're up there. They're amazing. Love them. Get it going. Enjoy your night, people.